Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date Sunday the 24th of December, 2023. Just after Christmas to you all. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. <laughs> yes, it's that time of year when Benji and I pretend it's nearly Christmas Day, even though we've recorded this more than a week before. But we'll be doing our best to simulate genuine Christmas cheer throughout. Ho 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 ho! Including this great music from the Box of Delights running behind this bit. It's lovely, isn't it? Very, very mm. festive. Well, first under the Christmas tree is the good review guy reviewing the reviews of the fifth doctor adventures 40 part two with peter davison in a santa costume if you can believe that i i don't believe that (laughs) so you're finally awake brigadier Then we go behind the scenes with The Seventh Doctor Adventures, The Last Day, Part 1, released just after Christmas on the 27th of December, starring Sylvester McCoy and just about everyone else who's ever worked with him in a proper Seventh Doctor celebration. I am Sophie Aldred and I play Ace. Also available this week on the 29th of December is the Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trip Opportunity winner, Hoxter Time Capsule featuring and read by the sixth doctor colin baker why a big finish contacting me it said on the website they would only contact the winners very appropriate that we should be releasing that at a time of year when our late great friend and colleague paul sprague would have been particularly happy not least because it was his birthday on the 29th he (laughs) loved christmas and he would often entertain us in his christmassy lounge pants and then just because it's christmas we remind you of our most christmasy of christmas releases confusingly released during summer back in 2021 (laughs) the box of delights a true masterpiece of festive chills and thrills not to be missed and still available as a digital download only since the cds were so popular they all sold out long ago what's in the box treasure treasures Beyond imagining. Following that, the randomoid Selectatron <laughs> will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% festive discount dutifully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery in her celebrated elf costume. Will Ran come up trumps with something Christmassy? <gasps> Who can tell? Here's a clue. Daleks. Attention! And finally, it's me again. Uh, As always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week, it's from the Seventh Doctor adventure, The Last Day, part one. Yeah, yeah, Melanie Bush. I'm here to save your life. Which sounds good. Yes. But can I trust you? Oh, just get in, Donut. Right, begin the simulation of Christmas cheer right now. <laughs> Can we have the singing man being Father Christmas? I think that oh, might work. Hold on, I'll just... Uh, singing man! <laughs> Could you do Father Christmas for us? <laughs> He's gone too far. It's gone too far. It's gone too Sorry. far, yeah, yeah. God, blimey. Hand him a bottle. Of milk. Um, <laughs> of Advocar. My wife bought me a bottle of Advocar. Every year I struggle to find it to do, you know, snowballs for Christmas. Oh. Uh, and uh, I either, you know, I go around all the shops around here and they've not got it. Or This year I just noticed it up on the shelf and she just spotted it in Morrison's. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> and bought it for me. What Isn't a class nice? act. What a class act. And uh, do you remember my sophisticated version of a snowball? A snowball is meant to be... Uh, Advocat and lemonade, isn't it? And a yep. glass of ch- cherry, maybe. If you fancy, or, yeah. Although, in maybe the absence of, ice, of cherries, yeah. I put I put uh, ice. Hmm? In the absence of cherries, I put strawberries in it last year. But the sophisticated <laughs> version is to have soda water with it, so it's not too sweet. Interesting. I'm not a big soda water fan personally. 
We're big I, soda water fans in this house. Oh, uh, really? Mm. I'm more of a tonic water man myself, you see. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah, well, it's like the whole, like, the white wine <laughs> spritzer. You know, it's like, are you, oh, yeah, a, yeah. Are you a soda drinker or a, or a tonic? I prefer a white wine spritzer with tonic. But don't um, you put soda water in uh, uh, lager to have a sort of, you know, less sweet shandy? Don't you do that? Uh, I have done that on occasion, yeah. but what it's, do you very, call it's, that? it's very, it's very, I have no idea what I call that. I can't remember now. It was a while ago. I went through a phase. <laughs> it was more I? than a week ago. You did go through a phase. I went through that. a phase. I went for another phase of trying to replicate another popular drink, which is Lyft, which is sold by the Coca-Cola company around Europe, which is basically fizzy apple juice. So that was soda and apple, which was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, brilliant. Oh, brilliant. What did I, what did we call that beer with soda? Yeah, you see, it was a thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Not He's... a sour radler. Radler, in general, is... What is that a German word? Radler, yeah, Radler is a German drink. Uh, it's it's basically like lemon... It's like, it's like a, a shandy, but it's slightly nicer, because it's just a bit more German. <laughs> sour radler. Oh, it's going to really bug me now. Okay, I'll think about it. My brain okay. will try... Well, just, we can revisit it at any time of the podcast. I won't be. Mm. I won't bother to edit it in here. We'll just randomly mention it in the middle of a behind-the-scenes report where someone's saying the best thing about this episode is, oh, Humpfenstrater. I honestly don't in. know if I'll be able to remember it, but no, it's yeah, fine. Leave it with me. Leave it with me. Okay, I will leave it with you, and you know, hopefully, we'll all forget about it. So, I mean, Christmas is a time of year where people like to raise a glass. I mean, hopefully, yeah, a they bring it back it's a down again. There we go. It is a radler. A radler? Yeah. There we are. Case solved. I don't remember you calling it that. I thought you had your own special name for it. I think I did, but... You know, like Kevin or something. So, yeah. Can't remember. <laughs> Carry on. Right, sorry. I'll have a half a pint of Kevin, please. <laughs> <laughs> or Kelvin, which is a, a temperature scale. scale. Buckminster yeah. Fullerene. How does the Kelvin scale work? Um, you gather a bunch of blokes called Kelvin together. Yeah. And you put them on a scale... And you weigh them, and then whoever weighs the least is the loser, and whoever weighs the most wins the cream egg. You heard the science here first, folks. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Amazing. Cream egg. But that's, that's the wrong celebration. That's Easter. Not necessarily. Oh. Can, Can you, you get, get Christmas cream egg? Yeah. Christmas cream <laughs> egg. Any other fun Christmas things we can... Um, we I've, can got, I've, well, I've got my order in for um I oh, yeah. I've got my beer keg that I have every year. So oh. I've got a huge, a huge box has arrived just full of full of kegs of beer. So I'm rather excited for that. Um obviously, you know, love a bit of what other Christmas Christmas related treats do I enjoy at Christmas? I love brandy butter. Oh, yeah, on your um, Christmas oh, pudding. Yeah, that is the stuff. That really I bought is. a turkey breast, just a turkey breast. Just uh, the one. And it's just me eating it. Nothing wrong with that. Steph and her mother and Ben won't eat it. They're all a bit veggie. I said to Steph, I've put a turkey breast in the freezer, and she just went, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember, who was it? I can't. I think I was. I was on a date with a woman once, and um, something. You sure you on, want to tell us this? <laughs> we got. Yeah, no, it's fine. We we got on the subject of like Christmas tradition, and I just said, just messing around. I just said, um, she said, "What do you do on Christmas?" And I said, "Oh, normally just have turkey sandwiches, really, and you know, just sit around the fire and try and keep warm." And she just <laughs> looked at me, really sadly. Really? I went, no! <laughs> I, just, I just thought that'd be just... just a turkey to think about. sandwich for me, please. Just, just the one, just the one. And I would mention that I think, you know, those of you who follow me on social media, I put a thing on uh, there about sprouts on Facebook, and it is the most replied to, furthest-reaching thing that I've 
ever put on social media. People just won't stop replying about Sprouts because I said I'm sick and tired of the narrative being stolen that Sprouts are terrible and horrible. And I was watching BBC Breakfast and they went, oh, Sprouts, oh, Sprouts. And I thought, don't present. The BBC is supposed to have a tradition of due impartiality. And I don't and I don't think it's impartial to say that Sprouts are horrible. I think it's, a, you know, I, I, I think I might write to my MP about this. It's hate the, speech the, the sprout against Sprouts. Council. Yeah, a bunch of Mr. and Mrs. Sprouts sat at the table. But um, I mean, obviously, I'm joking, but I also find it. But you're know, not I joking, find it strange. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm never joking, Benji. I'm deadly serious about everything. Um, that I think that this narrative that Sprouts are horrible has has gained disproportionate ground in in common parlance. I mean, it's um, evident that that there are a large portion of people that don't like Sprouts. Well, they I, say I there's like something. Sprouts. You know, I don't. I don't mind Sprouts. I mean, did you intentionally post them. it on the Benji and Nick Show Facebook? Yeah, page? yeah. I put it on. Every, yeah, I put it so, on every social media outlet I had. A friend of mine saw it from there and, and said, "Was it this? Was it you that that said this heinous statement about Sprouts?" And I said, "No." And he said, "How you, how anybody could could like Sprouts is beyond me." Well, what is going on? I love a sprout. You know, yeah. I, I you see, people are very. But there's a, a someone posted on there. I think it was Zana Eve Chown who said um, that it's to do with people's ability to taste PTC. But PTC, I'm just getting up, is is a heater, <laughs> positive P- temperature coefficient. PTC sprout. The Brussels sprouts gene TASR38 is PTC. There we go. Yeah. What is the PTC gene? The receptor is coded by a gene named... Oh, there we are. TAS2R38. Even though PTC is not normally found in our food, it is very similar to chemicals found in cruciferous vegetables such as cabbage, broccoli, kale and Brussels sprouts. The PTC gene comes in two common forms, bitter tasting or non-tasting. Now, they say that some a, a whole section of hum, the human population can't taste PTC. Now, are the people who like sprouts the ones who can't taste it or the ones who can taste it? That's what I want to know. I mean, sprouts taste kind of cabbagey. They've got that element of, and they have a slight bitter taste. But yeah, I like that, I'd... that bitterness. That's why I like. I like kale and I like rocket. You said so uh, I. I like, like radishes. Stuff. You know, yeah. I like things with that kind of bitterness. And a lot of people, t- yeah. Maybe it's time to genetically engineer the sprouts to appeal to appeal to the wider masses. Yeah, but then then the people who like them now won't like them. But you could have an option, couldn't you? You know, genetically yeah. engineered sprouts. What does the singing man think about sprouts? Well, I think that's fairly conclusive evidence I think that so, anyone yeah. who doesn't like sprouts is wrong. I mean, uh, I think, I feel we don't have uh, listeners' emails this week, it's just as well, because you can't write in while we're talking. Um, let us know your views on sprouts. Come on, this is... This is actually the most serious debate that the Big Finish podcast has ever started, you know. What do you think? What do you think about the hate speech against sprouts? I think it's unnecessary victimization. Well, it's sproutist, isn't it? (laughs) That just sounds a bit weird. It does really, doesn't it? Yeah, but you know, who who knows, quite frankly. I mean if 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 you I just object to it having you know, the narrative has been stolen by the Sprout haters. It's kind of like everyone... And that you're somehow weird for liking Sprouts. And that response to my post... So I did say I invite people, Sprout lovers, to post their love here. And, you know, and it was... There were still a few who ignored that and went, Oh, I hate them. But, I mean... Quite How far would you take I mean, a love of Sprouts, though? Like, would you mash up some Sprouts, put them in a sandwich and eat it? Yeah, yeah, I'd do that. Wow. that's I'd eat, I eat raw Sprouts... I think that's see. I think that's too far. I just think that's that's too far. <laughs> You've gone too far. You know, there, there's a limit. There's a limit, Nick. You know, and uh, now I love them. You've crossed that. You know, but then I'm. But you know, yeah, I, I like eat them. when I'm peeling them. I I always eat at least one of them raw. No, no, too far. <laughs> well, a lot even of by, people will cut them up raw by, and put them in a sandwich. Even by my standards, Nick, too far. No, I, I love you're I love raw you're vegetables. Talking about the man raw cabbage. Who, you know, you're talking about the man who invented the uh, the the miniature banoffee pie. 
biscuits, yeah. you know. So, you know, there's biscuits many things and I will coffee. do. Biscuits and a banana. Brilliant. You know, you know, there are many there are many fun things, you know. I've tried, I've tried um you know, those Linda McCartney vegetarian sausages with a roast dinner. Yeah, you know, steady on. That was brilliant. That was that Yeah, was but they had meat in them anyway, didn't they? They discovered. No, they no, they didn't. There was all mozzarella They did. There was some cheese. scandal about the, the Linda McCartney stuff actually had meat in it. You're joking. While, well, that was a while ago now. But Linda McCartney. That was a wee while ago, back in the 1700s. Contains meat. Good Lord. Well, there's things that you... Well, I don't know. There are things laced with meat. You're right. Gosh, vegetarian pies laced with meat. <laughs> laced with meat. That sounds so um, Carnivorous outrageous. saboteurs may be responsible for putting meat in a range of vegetarian pies endorsed by Linda McCartney. Good Lord. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought that I there'd mean, been some big... That was quite some time ago, wasn't it? 1992. Exactly. Yeah, Were yeah. you even born then? Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was under a year old when that art score was published. Oh, my goodness. Yes, oh, I know. my it's goodness. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking news. But anyway, talking of shocking news, time yes. now for the Good Review Guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised, this week we're looking at the fifth Doctor Adventures 40, part two, also on infinity, I nearly said. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the fifth Doctor Adventures 40, Auton Infinity. So you're finally awake. Brigadier. As ever, I find you the most surprising places. Oh, are you the lady who's gonna turn us into monsters? We saw shadows, something nebulous, nefarious. Sit still. The more you struggle, the more it hurts. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. Earth is under attack. Open fire! You shot at us. We shoot at you. An Auton invasion. And that's not our only problem. Notice something about these army tents. Did you crash? Did you land here by mistake? This has all been planned. Turlo! Keegan! Run! Don't! And so it begins. What have you done? Through those doors is just a gaping wound in reality. That's raw vortex energy. Nobody look at it. The mighty Doctor makes too many enemies. I am afraid, Doctor, that something is terribly wrong. Well, don't you worry, Doctor. I'm not going anywhere yet. Proximity collision. Something's coming out of the vortex fast. Hang on! Ah! It wants to be part of me. Because I am part of them. And now I'm meant to kill you. Doctor! <laughs> Just go to bigfinish.com and type Auton Infinity into Do the it. search pane at the top to find this one. First up, whoreview.com. The Autons and the Master are given some great new things to do as villains, with Tim Foley making sure their returns aren't simply fan service, whilst Peter Davison impresses in his portrayal of the Fifth Doctor's more vulnerable sides. All in all, this is a strong release. Recommended four stars. Now, do you think Who Review was trying to avoid the word overall there? Yeah, I did. I did. I did think that when I was reading. I thought, all, all in, in all, all, really. Mm. Uh, big boo, blue, bop, blue, blue, big blue, blue locks. Big boo box. That's, yes, that's what I big, thought you said. Big boo bot. I don't know. Blue box podcast. Uh, Jordan Shortman says the result is a very fun story with tight direction from Ken Bentley. 42, or the Auton Infinity, makes a perfect celebration of the whole Fifth Doctor era with plenty of references and cameos to keep the most dedicated of listeners happy without being intrusive. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't knock that one, can we? No, really? no, I won't knock it. No. Indy MacUser Jacob Licklider says Foley along with director Ken Bentley. Interesting there that... that he chose to say Foley as opposed to Tim Foley, yeah, and then said personal. Ken Bentley. Yeah, because you know, Foley and Bentley, or you could have, you know, do you know what I mean? 
Have, yeah. Have one or the other, Jacob. Well, maybe, maybe uh, Alfie just missed off the tin when he typed it. Very possibly. I mean, mm. you know, what can I say? The lovely Alfie. Foley, along with director Ken Bentley, bring everything together to make the Auton Infinity and with it 42 an epic celebration. It makes an engaging three-hour listen and one of the many reasons why Big Finish Productions should be putting energy into longer stories where every character can shine and plots can develop complexity. It's made 42 one of the best, 10 out of 10. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm doing more six-part stories, actually, with the uh, uh, first Doctor and the third Doctor. Just throw that in. Mm-hmm. Boing. Blogtohu.com, Peter Lolan. Peter Lolan. I'm so sorry, Peter, to get your name wrong. I mean, you are a living legend. I don't know whether, Benji, you've been catching up with any of Peter's Well, uh, you know, you know you're not the first stuff. person to get his name wrong, actually, because Peter Lolan mm. um, also... Uh, well, there was a bit of a scandal in the 1960s where Peter Nolan was credited as Peter Lolan. Oh, no. Um, it, it caused an entire... A real problem for Christmas cards for some years going on for Peter Nolan. You know, yeah. you get Mr. Lolan. Um, you know, it, it, it was a it was a real is, issue for him, you know. <laughs> yes, of oh. course, uh, Peter Nolan as well. He starred in the uh, Nantucket Lifeboat Lighthouse disaster. Um, of course, have you, do you ever watch that film? No, it was a film, was it? I thought it was a straight to... Oh, no, it could have been straight to Yeah, video. when the, when the uh, HMS Olympic cruised right through a light, a light ship and uh, Peter Nolan played the light ship. <laughs> Amazing. Very illuminating. Yeah. Uh, uh, he says, Faulty proves a fond portrait of one of the finest doctors of them all. This is a perfect portrait of an incarnation who feels more bound by the rules than most. A man who, in contrast to his 21st century counterparts, is driven by regrets of the things he couldn't or didn't do rather than those he did. And it's a timely reminder why Peter Davison is one of the finest actors to helm the good ship TARDIS and the fifth doctor so loved. So let's doff our Panamas in salute to a legend. Anyone for 40 more? Well, I can imagine Peter Davison going, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sonic review who.wordpress.com. All things considered, 42. I love anything that says all things considered. I just makes me think of some bloke with, oh yeah, holding a sherry at the end of a night. Yeah, all things considered. <laughs> uh, 42, the Auton Infinity honors and celebrates the Fifth Doctor's era successfully in terrific 80s style. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's several little details. Stop. There's several little details <laughs> and additional Easter eggs found oh, throughout, and all key players receive some great dialogue. Yes, that's right. All the pianists there uh, get a little thing to say, uh, some thoughtful <laughs> moments, or a few laughs. John Coleshaw's master, brigadier, and comedian were a superhuman feat of voice acting that ironically cannot be imitated. Hey. <laughs> Whilst the Autons received one of their most in-depth origin stories and psyche explorations straight out of nowhere, this long curvy path to the end of the Doctor's overarching time stream uh, slippage storyline was both fitting and quintessential fifth Doctor Who, 9 out of 10. God. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Um, Paul Simpson from Sci-Fi Bulletin says, an enjoyable celebration of the era. Here's to decades more, 9 out of 10. And there'll be more reviews in the space year 2024. Coming up soon, a drama tease with the seventh Doctor, the Boxer Delights, Colin Baker reading our short trips competition winner and the Randomoids Electron. But before all of that... We go behind the scenes with The Uh Seventh Doctor Adventures, The Last Day, Part 1. And momentous events lie ahead for Sylvester McCoy and friends. I am Sophie Aldred and I play Ace. (gasps) What's that? What's wrong? It's not easy flying through a universe that's broken. The TARDIS is doing its best. Universe is broken? How do you break a universe? When I first read the script, I thought, hang on a minute, where's the Doctor? And I couldn't work it out at all, because Ace is kind of popping around the universe, finding people for some reason, and we don't quite know what she's up to. She's collecting people, except it's quite a lot of baddies, but also, you know, there's Mel and Benny she's got, And it's great because you don't know what on earth is going on and what she's up to. 
And then gradually you can see, like, oh, okay, there is a reason for this. Hello, my name is Guy Adams, and I am the co-writer that is half responsible for The Last Day. I'm Matt Fitton, and I am the co-writer and co-script editor for uh, The Seventh Doctor's Last Day. So, tell me, how are things going with my universe? Well, I think way back in the mists of time of around about 2019, maybe, I think initially it was David Richardson who approached me and Guy or suggested I speak to Guy with the idea of doing this huge 12-part epic just looking at the, the initial notes he sent, it, it, it says something like, it should feel like a cast of thousands and a victory lap for this doctor. So that's that was the brief, really, to give this doctor uh, a send-off leading into his regeneration in the TV movies we saw on screen, in the same way we have for, for the sixth doctor before. So it's something we, we didn't get to see on screen, but we could expand on and invent and um, give Sylvester's Doctor the, the ending he deserved. I remember because uh, we had a meeting to sort of the two of us sat down didn't we? and we, we talked through thoughts and ideas and I, I remember that that, that, that initial, because the, the key to this story which we haven't been able to talk about in other press things but we can hear was deciding who, who the, the best ultimate villain would be for the seventh Doctor uh, you know the final story of the seventh doctor who should who should the uh, the real threat be ace has great fun in the scenes with garandel and kane and the mother and the master i i love the comedy of it i love the fact that you've got these crazy characters who are all completely psychopathic in some way you know they're they're mad or bad or very dangerous to know and I think I, Sophie, enjoyed doing the scenes very much because they're funny uh, and they're great characters. I'm Geoffrey Beavers and I play the master. I finally realised why saving the universe has never really appealed. There's far too much running. Oh, and I thought my running days were behind me. In my version, he's been reduced to a, a burnt kind of hooded relic of his former self and uh, but still feels that he's um, uh, as suave and uh, in control as he always has been, always looking for regeneration and he's pure evil really. Richenda Carey and I play the mother. Vocal cords are an indulgence. I'm not a monster. I let them have them back for an hour on their birthdays. Now, what do you two want? We're recruiting. She runs an orphanage and she doesn't allow them, the children, the power of speech because she likes to. She, she loves control. And she has a very unhappy relationship with the master who caused her to lose her sight. And so she now has goggles through which she can see auras, she can see things that other people actually can't see. And she sees colours and she sees another dimension, really, if you like. She is a villain. I mean, there we go. And everybody's been gathered together. And I was thinking to myself, I thought, it's exactly like the seven samurai. <laughs> Hi, I'm Stuart Milligan, and I am playing Garandal. Well, he's a bounty hunter, really, a bit of an entrepreneur. He basically has no morals whatsoever. He has no friends or allies. He, he uses people. He's, he's a delight in many ways. He's quite violent, and he will pretty much take on any job that is going to make him either money or get him things or whatever. He's a huge lizard, basically. A very attractive in many ways, very handsome. I think that's kind of where we start with him. This is this amoral galaxy superstar. It's been absolutely fantastic meeting up with old friends. I mean, we see each other at conventions and things occasionally, but it has been wonderful to be all together with people who I've known 
for over half my life. Just go to bigfinish.com and type last day into the search pane at the top to find this one. And remember, it's out this Wednesday, the 27th of December. Okay. Meanwhile, it's time to find out what's also available this week. As regular listeners of Big Finish will know, in 2014, Big Finish sadly lost the cheerful and much-loved Paul Sprague, who was at the heart of our production office, a dear friend to many, and a great supporter of fresh talent in Big Finish. To honour his memory, our annual Doctor Who short story competition encourages new and aspiring writers. Each year, the winning entry is produced as a Doctor Who short trip audiobook and released as a free download from the Big Finish website on the 29th of December, Paul's birthday. This year's winner is being released on Friday, the 29th of December. Here's all you need to know about it. Hello, I'm Peter Angelidis, the producer of the Doctor Who Short Trips range. It's also been my pleasure to be one of the judges of this year's Big Finish short story competition. The Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trip Opportunity is our way of celebrating Paul's life and contribution to Big Finish. And it's a fairly unique opportunity these days for open applications from brand new authors to write Doctor Who stories for professional publication. This year's winner is a sixth Doctor story called The Hawk's Death Time Capsule, written by Paul Davis. I got an email and I read the header and it referred to the competition. And I do remember very vividly thinking, why are Big Finish contacting me? It said on the website they would only contact the winners. And at that moment, I was kind of in a spinning whirlwind in my head for about two hours. I handed the phone to my friend who'd encouraged me to enter the competition, and she had to read it for me. And then I spent two hours trying to put a very, very short email together. At the end of the day, I went off for a walk just to kind of absorb it all. So uh, it was quite a big moment for me. As I was setting up our 2023 competition, I noticed entirely by some happy coincidence that each of the previous winning entries had a different doctor as its protagonist. So for this year, we asked for proposals for one of the Doctors we'd not yet featured, the first, fourth, fifth, sixth or eighth. And we got lots of very interesting takes on those Doctors. I literally sat in a cafe because I came to this competition very late and I sat in a cafe with a blank screen and about five days to, to get this written. And I've got to say, the first thing I wrote, I realised it was way too dialogue heavy. I went back to the cafe a couple of days later. I literally had two days left or three days left. Started again with a blank page. But um, I'm of a certain age as a Doctor Who fan and viewer and listener to Big Finish. I was around from sort of watching it and listening to it from the 70s. You think about life a little bit. You're looking back at your life at that age. Uh, you're looking at what could have gone, what might have gone, what might happen still in the future, changes you'd make, regrets, things you're happy with. And I wanted a character very much like that. I think I knew, bless him, dear George. I've met a few Georges in my life, but not not ones as adventurous as this George. But the, the George who will take his slides to the village hall and show them. What I've vocalised was more him than the one who goes off around the world. But in order to have the slides, he has to go and get them. So that's how I saw this George. For the pitch that I wrote, which was the 500 words, I didn't want the Doctor to be in it too much. I wanted to prove that I could write prose and that I could write another character. So somebody, not my age, a bit older than me, but someone I could relate to, I made that the main character. I think once I had the village and hall, I was imagining slightly older people anyway and slightly set in their ways. And then I threw the Doctor in at the end because I thought I've got to put him in there. Just a little hint. And that will teach all the other writers if you write for the Sixth Doctor, it'll get recorded. <laughs> There's a particular skill with the sample because we want writers who can demonstrate they have their own voice and that they can create their own new characters and scenarios. But I usually want to be reassured also that they can write authentically for their chosen Doctor. It's the prose that paints the settings, the people and the action, and then the narration brings that to life. So it was a particular pleasure to have as our reader the authentic voice of the Sixth Doctor, Colin Baker. Obviously, the Doctor's voice is one time I'm quite familiar with still. I did a story which was old six in Mark One and Two, so it was the Doctor recently regenerated, meeting up with the Doctor as he is now. And I did a story for Big Finish where I had to be both of them. And I actually managed to dredge up from somewhere a memory of what I used to sound like and lay it beside what I now sound like. And I think it worked, which was nice. I do enjoy the challenge of reading, because when you're reading, you are forced to voice 
characters that aren't your own. I've always rather enjoyed that. Colin, um, just heard him. He did a superb job there, um, really superb. And he said one or two of the lines in a way that I wasn't expecting, such as Martin Crumb. Yes, that was his real name. The way he performed that line, I thought it was marvellous. I kind of really fell in love with Colin's Doctor it threw big finish, in fact. And actually, yesterday, my friend and I were listening to an episode from the 100. Colin was absolutely wonderful. So, you know, an absolute pleasure to, to listen to him reading my story. And I really enjoyed it. Well, when you're doing an audio reading, it's only you. On the one hand, when you're working with other people, you can feed off each other. It's a kind of collaborative enterprise. When you're reading a story, it's the writer's vision and your vision coming together like two threads in a finely woven rope. And I like doing that. So to people who would like to enter the competition next year, do read the guidelines on the Big Finish website. And don't just read them once. Do read them several times. Once you are commissioned, it will be a lot of hard work. So be prepared for that. And also do enjoy it. The more you enjoy your writing, the more it will show and the better your writing will be. I love the idea of encouraging new writing. I always have done. And I particularly love it's a short story competition. I'm very fond of short stories. I've been a devourer of short stories all my life, really. I've even written a book of them myself. And I love this story in particular. It's a clever one. It's different. And when something like this comes along, which, which has several layers of cleverness and charm as well, it's charming. I can see why it won, because it's a lovely story. Thank you very much to Big Finish for giving people like me an opportunity to actually get something out there. It's been a blast, and to sit in on the recording, to listen to you guys, you've all been very friendly, to listen to Colin, absolutely wonderful experience, so thank you very much indeed. Many congratulations to Paul Davis for being this year's Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trip Opportunity winner with his story, The Hoxteth Time Capsule. Just type Hoxteth. And I'm going to spell it out to you because it's a strange mm. word. Yes, H O X T E T H. Put that into the search pane at the top when you go to bigfinish.com. And remember, it's available to download on Friday, the 29th of December. Now then, just because it's Christmas, we wanted to remind you of the most Christmassy thing ever, the Box of Delights. Just type that into the search pane at bigfinish.com to buy it, if you haven't already. But here's a reminder of just how lovely it is. I'm Barnaby Edwards, and I'm the director of the Box of Delights. What's in the box? Treasure? Treasures beyond imagining. Wonders without end. I call it my box of delights. The whole sort of project started because we were contemplating, we were trying to think of a, of a really good children's story to do for Big Finish for, for Christmas, and a slightly unusual one. And we knew that we had Derek Jacobi sort of at our, uh, not at our beck and call, but, but he was within the Big Finish family. And I think as soon as those two facts coalesced in people's minds, the idea of having him as Cole Hawlings in the Box of Delights was born. And once that was born and the script started getting written, I, I'm immensely familiar with all the characters and I'm obviously, I've been working with actors my entire life. So it was a very, very quick and easy process for me to cast it because I heard all of those characters in my head. And so once we had Derek in place, I obviously knew I had to have a great villain to go opposite him as Abner Brown. So we were very, very lucky to have Mark Gatiss uh, come on board. And Mark is the most monumental Box of Delights fan as well. He absolutely gushed about about wanting to do it, which is great because I wanted him to do it. Um, so that was a great sort of pairing. And then we knew that we wanted Mac as Kay Harker. And then sort of everyone else sort of fell into place around that. Hello, my name's Emma Haig and I'm the producer of The Box of Delights. Working on The Box of Delights has been an utter joy. I mean, I'm very lucky with my big finished work to work on some fabulous productions with brilliant cast and, and talent and crew, but this has been a really, a really special experience, particularly working with Barnaby Edwards. I hadn't worked with Barnaby before, and I have been extremely blessed to work with a director who has a huge knowledge and just a huge joy and love for this particular book and this particular story. My name's Christopher William Hill and I adapted The Box of Delights. I knew the story of The Box of Delights very well before coming to this adaptation because I remembered the 
BBC adaptation in 1984, which made a really strong impression on me, and also from my mum reading me The Box of Delights as a child. So it's been an important part of, of growing up, and it's a book that I return to time and time again if I want to transport myself back in time to a, a happy childhood place. I've been a huge fan of The Box of Delights for 25 years, and so I kind of, you know, Christopher did this fantastic job, and I've sort of added some little uh, frills and tied, uh, tidied up things and things like that. So what I've tried to do in my little tweaks is to sort of create a world where everything is sort of prefigured. There are lots of sort of hints about, you know, Mariah says an awful lot of things which then come to pass and then Kay sees things on the train which then come to pass possibly in his dream, possibly not, that sort of thing. And also I've, with my director's head on, I've tried to up the action. So I kind of rejigged the action sequences just to make them more for audio because they were all there, but it's just to sort of tighten it up. But a travelling man collects as he goes, or doesn't he? I should think he does, Mr... Uh, Hawlings, Cole Hawlings. You're one that thinks right then. The Box of Delights is unusual as a literary adaptation in that the novel is entirely kind of based around Kay and follows his storyline all the way through. And lots of characters come in and fall away and come in and fall away. But it's, we're very much just with Kay. And lots of the decisions that he makes are described in the sort of prose bits rather than the dialogue bits. And so it's quite a difficult thing to adapt successfully for audio. And I think one of the great things that Christopher did in his adaptation was he made the decision because in the novel, Kay and Peter go to the first time they go to Chester Hills to see Abner Brown's lair. Peter gets scrobbled and that's it. You don't see Peter until right at the end when he's rescued along with the choir boys and the bishop and the dean from the flooded underground caverns. So Christopher made a really, really wise decision there to keep Peter with Kay because then we can go into the past and they can talk to each other and tell us what they're seeing, tell us what they're doing, tell us what their thought processes are, which they can't really do. A lot of previous adaptations of Box of Delights have just had an older K narrating it and saying, and then I made a decision to go back into the past and see Troy and stuff like that. And I never really like that. I mean, sometimes narration is very nice, but I never really like that because it, it takes you just away from the immediate world of the, the novel and, and the adventures of those characters within it. So I think uh, Christopher did a fantastic job in doing that and um, keeping us with those two and then leading us through the story. What Christopher William Hill's adaptation and Barnaby's knowledge and, and passion and energy for this for this story brought was what it gave us was a real um, strength and depth on which to build the whole production, which has just made it really easy to build such a great team around. And we were so lucky in attracting the cast that we did to have uh, Derek Jacobi amongst the Big Finish family and to be able to ask him to do Cole Hallings was just a just a real treat and. To have Mark Gatiss, dear Abner, I mean, what a wonderful baddie he he has made. Hi, my name's Matt Keith Roach and I'm Kay Harker. Were you daunted at all when you got the script and you realised you were in pretty much every scene? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was quite daunting. So I, I, I got the script and I thought there were 10 episodes and I was like, that's a lot. I thought it was going to be one or two. <laughs> and, and so I looked through them and then... I figured out, oh, I'm the main part. Well, that that's that's awesome. And I read them all and I I read like the first, I don't know, three and it took me a couple of hours. <laughs> there was a lot and I was in almost every scene, but it's been amazing fun. It's been really nice. In the start of the book, Kay is coming home for Christmas to see Kings. This is where he meets all of the characters and there's Cole Hornings, whom he meets on the station, and later on in the book there's Peter, his best friend, there's Chubby Joe, Foxy Face Charles, and the start is all about him finding about the magical world. Hello, my name is Derek Jacobi, and I play Cole Hawlings. I say, are you a Punch and Judy man? I am, so to speak, a showman, when chance does call. You may not know the history at all about, about the Box of Delights, but you're following in the footsteps of a number of really sort of key performers over the years. When it was first done, Harcourt Williams uh, was the Good first heavens. person to play uh, uh, Cole Hawlings in 1948. And then there was Cyril Shapps and Lionel oh. Jeffries. And on the television, there was Patrick Troughton. Golly. 
So I'm hoping that you didn't see any of these people before. <laughs> no, I didn't. I saw them in various things, other things, yes. But I, I wouldn't have put myself in that, in that um, particular class of students. I don't, I don't think I have much in common with any. They were all wonderful actors. I don't think I have very much in common with any of them, really. Well, I think the interesting thing about that is that although he's he's such a sort of recognisable character, uh, Cole Hawlings, I think there are just so many different ways of playing him because he's such a complicated person. He's lived for 500 years. Yes. So yes. I think a number of different actors can play him, of course. At the moment, I feel I've lived for 500 <laughs> years. Where have you gone, boy? Where you'll never find him again. Just as you'll never get your hands on my elixir or my box of delights. Don't forget, there's a 15-minute drama tease of The Seventh Doctor's The Last Day, Part 1, coming up at the end of this podcast. In the meantime, it's... The Randomoid Ho 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 Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells discount on it all, all the, the way. way. <laughs> and uh, you what can it? find it here. Here we go. Is it going it's... to be something Christmassy? No, it's not. One, two, oh. one. Doctor Who, Enemy of the Daleks. Enemy of the Daleks. It's Enemy of the Daleks has got that sort of fantastic uh, uh, Steve Fox and music in it where he sort of uses an electric guitar. It's, uh, it says it's I written it by... an electric chair for some bizarre reason. <laughs> an electric <laughs> chair. So it's written by David Bishop. Uh, it says also Mark Platt here, but he there's a companion chronicles called In Memoriam on the end of it there. Um, here's the trailer. One of the worst atrocities committed during the Dalek Wars happens at this research facility. Here, now. The sort I never wanted either of you to witness. I'm sorry. You're part of a Valkyrie unit? Yes. Never heard of them. An all-female fighting force created to combat the most dangerous, most malevolent alien species ever to attack mankind. Oh no, don't say it. Say what? What he's about to say. And what's he about to say? Daleks. Attention, all humans on the planetoid designated Bliss will surrender to Dalek forces or face extermination. Professor, listen to me. The Daleks will have control of this sector within days, if not sooner. Either you come with us, or you'll die here. In years to come, you'll be able to say you are here to witness the birth of a new species. Behold the Doctor! Behold the Xavier! The savior of mankind! You wasted that brilliance on an act of madness. And that madness endangers every life form in the galaxy. I've had enough, all right? I've seen and heard more people die today than in my whole life, and I've had enough! Ace Hex, try to understand. What's about to happen will happen, has happened, must happen. I've been searching for my part in these events ever since we landed here. Have mercy, Doctor. Exterminate me. Exterminate me! So yeah, Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred. Uh, it's got me in there as Harry Randall I play and a robot. Presumably I'm the Daleks as well, but it doesn't actually credit me as the Daleks. <laughs> wow, it takes all sorts. Nicholas Courtney in there as well. Yeah, isn't that lovely? Good old Jez. Yeah. Well, Nicholas Courtney will be playing the Brigadier in the um, in the short trip that's on the end. Um, yeah, not the short trip, Companion Chronicles. Yes, interesting. And John Picard as Thomas Brewster. He must be in the Companion Chronicles as well. Mm. It's all becoming absolutely clear. So, a, a fantastic one. Listen, well, while I uh, email Jackie Emery, content manager at Big Finish, uh, who's just finished her Christmas dinner. Uh, no, it's not. It's, it's the 24th. Or the, You might be listening to this on Christmas Day. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to inform her of the random selection so that she can set the offer live on the Big Finish website. Benji, can you impart the discount getting information as if you were a festive reindeer? <laughs> I think the answer's no, is it? No, I mean, I mean, do reindeers talk? I don't know. If well, I was I mean, a reindeer... You've got no imagination. I would jump through the snow. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking around to see if I've got any anything to jingle. 
I don't yeah. think I do. Oh. But if I was a festive reindeer, I would glide through the sky. I would head to bigfinish.com and I would eat a mince pie. <laughs> I would head to the and podcast page and I would look on in delight. And I would click read more and head into the night. Under oh. the picture of myself and Nick, there is some text. Inside the text. What rhymes with text? I don't know. Next. What does actually rhyme next, I suppose? When I would, yeah, there we go. We'll do that again. As I look at the picture of me and Nick, underneath is some text. It says, just click here and enter the code BUCKUP NEXT. That's B-U-C-K-U-P, if you please. But don't do it over there. Instead, go in those trees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that was almost good. Just enter the code buck up, click there, enter the code buck up, and you'll get your discount. 25% discount in the picture uh, there. Um, Amazing. <laughs> that Amazing sense. work. It made yeah. me laugh. Superb um, job, Ran. I mean, it, there was nothing Christmassy about that release, but it's, it's a cracker. Uh, what delights will the new year hold for Big Finish? Well... There'll be Sontarans versus Rutans, a bit of Thunderbirds, some classic British comedy. Oh, yeah, some surprises mm-hmm. there. The First Doctor, Vicky, Dodo and the Daleks, the Third Doctor and Sarah in space, more Star Cops and more Ninth Doctor, of course, played by Christopher Eccleston. What's not to love? Backache? Yeah, I don't love backache. No, no, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. But, but apart it's from not, that... We're what not is... releasing that. We're not releasing Are we not? backache. Oh, that's no. good. Oh, yeah. good this week on Big Finish, some backache. Oh! Yes, I know. Have some cream. Uh, in the meantime, it only remains for me to say this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. Oh, yes, and all during the Yuletide sort of time. Um, I hope you're having a lovely time, whatever you're doing, this uh, warm and cuddly time of year. Well, they're listening to this. Yeah, I suppose so. So maybe not having a good time. And of course, <laughs> Benji and I did this for, for the, the love, love of, of stories. stories. And finally on the Big Finish podcast for 2023, a big finally, The Seventh Doctor, The Last Day, Part One by Matt Fitton and Guy Adams. Grassy. Oh, look at that. Milk foam so thick you could give a horse a good night's sleep on it. <laughs> Lovely. Though you'd need a very small horse. Or a very big cup. See? Distracted. Variables. This is why I tend to look at the bigger picture. I get so easily lost. And then I miss things, tiny things, because universes topple thanks to minutiae when you boil it right down. (laughs) Yes, yes, something as small as that. Quite right. A coffee cup moved a few inches. You've altered the universe. Moved the rock in the stream around which the water must pass. One small change and now, perhaps, Everything dies. I'm expecting you. Yeah, yeah, Melanie Bush. I'm here to save your life. Which sounds good. Yes. 
But can I trust you? Oh, just get in, Donut. Fine. I thought I knew this. I imagined it was white. A small, white room. He redecorated. Into Dracula's lounge. Have you been out there? Ungar? Oh, no thanks. Last I heard, the floating hotels had started eating the residents. <gasps> oh, that was what the noise was. I thought it was, I, I don't know, hydraulics. Oh, um, I need to sit down. Can I sit down? Do what you like. I need to concentrate for a minute. Programming coordinates isn't as easy as it used to be. Chair over there. Eating their residence. What's happening to me? Oh. Oh, what's happening? What's happening? What's that? What's wrong? It's not easy flying through a universe as broken. The TARDIS is doing its best. Universe is broken? How do you break a universe? There, done. Off we go. How are you feeling? Utterly lost. You and every other living being. Where did you go? Hey? No! Tommy! Sorry, love. I fell back asleep. Aren't you going to be late? Come on, you lot. I'm off in two minutes, whether you're with me or not. You know that's not the incentive you think it is. The twins have got double mass first thing. Have they had breakfast? Smoke alarm went off, so yes, guessing Damien made toast again. So that's him and Evie, but what about Cassie? She left early and cleaned up after herself. She's been keen since she got on that programme. Gifted and talented. Takes after me. Mm. <laughs> Are you okay? You're not really with it today. I'm fine, love. Okay. I've got to run. I'm sorry I can't drop everyone off. Pros and cons of the job, eh? They give you a fancy jeep, but they get you in way too early. Are you okay on the shuttle bus? Timetables are all over the place. Driver shortages. It's the same in the hospital. Any chance you can slope off this Avi? Get them to school and I'll ask. Come here. You're the CEO? Can't you give yourself time off? I have a few errands to run. Let me see how the day pans out. I'll call you later. Okay. Demo. Evie. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Do you remember how you got here? Here? You asked me in. Don't. Oh, Mel, how you got to Ungar? No idea. The elephant forgot. Pardon? It's interesting. What do you remember? About what? Anything. I don't know. I have familiarity without context. I should be completely freaking out. Really. Screaming and screaming, but I'm not. Because this feels familiar. I have no idea why. Maybe this is what happens to an eidetic memory when history vanishes. I know you, don't I? Mm, you did. Or do. Depending entirely on where you stand on the subject of timeline fluidity. I stand on the side of someone who doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Lucky you. Some of us had to sit through our causality exams on Gallifrey. Still not following. 
Gallifrey. Ring a cloister bell? Yes. Ah, oh, timeline fluidity is a headache. Imagine this. Time travel is possible, and therefore, so is completely altering people's history. I could pop up at various points in your life and mess with things. I could make sure you never meet your first boyfriend, or I could fix it so that you've failed your A-levels. One of those is a lot more terrifying than the other. <laughs> and there we go. The question would be, are you still the same individual, just with fluctuating events? In which case, you do know me, you've just forgotten. Or are you a completely different person? History wiped now that you can't recall it. In which case, you did know me, but don't anymore. Timeline fluidity. Headache. Can we start somewhere simple? Like, with your name? Simple, yes. I'm Dorothy McShane. Or Ace. Nominative fluidity? <laughs> Headache. Want me to tell you why the universe is broken? I'm not sure, to be honest. Mm, fair enough, it's complicated. Or maybe it's not. Try this. Someone decided to take complete control. Over the universe? The universe. Egotistical. Isn't it? The universe is, by all accounts, big. Very big. I'm not sure one person could control it all. Uh, having a good go. They've also decided to change it. Make it more to their liking. Someone's redecorating the universe. Exactly. Oh, oh I'm trying. Really. Uh, trying to pretend this is all okay, but... I think I'm having a proper breakdown. Not you. Never you. Want to help me fix things? Strip the wallpaper off this broken universe? Yeah. Spray paint the walls back to the scruffy, dirty, lovely way they were. I don't know. You do. Because this is who you are. Promise. Is it? What do you think when I say the word TARDIS? Doctor. Because we heal things? Yeah, if you like. He should be here, shouldn't he? Yes, but we lost him. So now we have to do it on our own. That's what I'm doing. Here in the TARDIS, gathering all the people who can help. The Doctor? I knew him very well. Maybe you did. So, are you going to help? Yes. Thanks, Mel. Yeah, well, maybe I will refer it to the Trust. We need more people. The President hasn't released funds. Okay, okay, yeah, I know. It's out of your hands. <sighs> Thanks for nothing. Excuse me, Doctor? I'm not a doctor, but don't worry. I'll get someone to help you. Who's on the rounds? We can't just fill up the corridors with patients. I, I've been here for hours. Okay, give me a minute. I'll check your chart. See where you should be going. Please, don't leave me. I won't. Leslie Hopwood. I'll stay with you till someone comes. Yeah, let's make you more comfy. There's a vid screen on the arm of your wheelchair. Look, do you want me to put the news on for you? administration has announced the rationing increase for the next year. Food allocations will be raised by a lower than expected 2%. Maybe not. Let's find some music, eh? we are. Oh, lovely. Red desert. <laughs> what do you need me to do? Sandcastles? You'll be digging, that's for sure. Listen, is it pointless to ask if you trust me? I'm here, aren't I? Because uh, I, I need to go. Always on the move. Fingers in everything. Spinning plates. <laughs> that seems right. <laughs> you were always like this, weren't you? Not me. Him. 
You'll be okay, I promise. Someone else is on their way. <sighs> Go on then, Ace. Spin the plate. See you soon. Probably. We heal things. Hi, love. You weren't answering. No, I, I got sidetracked. I should be out front to oversee the PPI delivery, but I end up looking after some old dear with a dodgy hip. You're healthcare manager now. You can't be seeing to every single patient. I know, but, but you she... can't help yourself, and that's why I love you, Tommy Schofield. <laughs> Listen, I'm on my way to HQ. It'll probably take up my afternoon. Bango's our rendezvous. I'm sorry. No worries. I'm not getting away either. Especially not if I'm taking tomorrow off for that school thing. You on route? Yeah, tracking down the general. She's a very busy woman, so I need to go to her. <laughs> Tom, I didn't get a chance to ask this morning. Is everything okay? How do you mean? You were thrashing about again last night. Oh, yes. Sorry about that. It, it was, you know... Another of your nightmares? Not nightmares, exactly. Just that woman. The blue flashing lights. Understandable, given the stress. Fighting killer robots again? Not this time. A, a giant frog. Oh, that's, uh, different. <laughs> do you think you should talk to someone about it? Only you. That is, if we ever get the chance to be on our own. That's all the news. Must be crazy for you too. Yeah. Protesters on the Warrington flood defences, more evacuations. We lost Norwich last week, and the protein rations are in. The distribution centres usually get extra protection, but they've not called us in for some reason. That was on the news too. New elite security measures. The President's supposed to be saying something later. Good, because that's always helpful. You've changed your tune. You like the five years ago? I thought she'd make a difference. A real change from the usual lot. Yeah, with the buzz cut and the shades. It's good to have an image, I suppose. But has anyone actually looked into her eyes? I thought it'd be good to get someone in charge with real experience. Ex-military. But now she's taking responsibility away from us. The General's looking into it. I want to know what she's found out. Right, I'm nearly there. Big finish for the love of stories.